0: Joshua was one who led after Moses, and what I want to do for us this morning is, is, as I said, we're going to cover some ground. We're going to cover a couple of books of the Bible, uh, so go ahead and get your, uh, go ahead and do your, your finger exercises uh, to get your fingers warmed up to go, and we're going to move through God's Word uh, this morning. Uh, so is everybody ready? Some of you are ready, some of you are not, but we are going anyway, all right? All um, right. To open up this morning, I really, I really think it's important for us to understand the background and the history of where we're heading. It's going to give you, a, me and also you a better understanding as we look at this, this man by the name of Joshua, and that's exactly who he was. He was just a man. He was a man who had faults. He was a man who uh, got discouraged. He was a man uh, who, who, who led in boldness. He was a man who, who made mistakes just like you and I in our lives, but he was one that that God gave him courage. And Joshua walked in obedience in that courage. And because of that obedience in the life of Joshua, he led the people of Israel into a place called the Promised Land that was actually promised all the way back to the man by the name of Abraham. Now, Abraham, that promise continued to go on, and it was passed on to a man by the name of Moses. If you know the story of Moses whatsoever, Moses was a reluctant leader. Anybody there? Like, you know, I'm not so sure about this, God. I'm not so sure about the calling you've You've put before me. I'm not so sure about my position using that to to honor you and to lift you up. You know, what are people going to say? What are people going to do? And and Moses was a reluctant leader to the point of, after the burning bush, after the conversation that he had with God, he says, God, you got to send somebody else. I mean, surely not me. And then finally he said, all right, Moses, I'm going to send your brother Aaron with you. And as you know the story, Aaron seemed to be somewhat of a speed bump along the way many times. Aren't younger brothers that way sometimes? I'm a younger brother, okay? So Moses went into Egypt, and here's the reason Moses was reluctant. Moses had a past. You see, Moses spent time in Egypt. And Moses tried to do things in his own timing while he was in Egypt. And Moses took on the responsibilities of God's calling in his life and says, God, I've got this. I'm going to make the choices and I'm going to open the doors for you to work. How many times will we find ourselves in that position? We know God's calling in our lives and say, God, I know what door is best for me. I'm going to go through this door. And I'm going to walk ahead of you. And that's exactly what happened to Moses. And it got himself in a heap of trouble. He ended up murdering someone. He fled for his life. And it took years upon years to restore that in Moses. But here's the thing I want you to see about this. Yes, we're going to Joshua. I promise, All right. The calling in the life of Moses and the calling in the life of Joshua never changed. But it took years and years and years of understanding and repercussions and understanding that sometimes when we do things in our own being, in our own will, there is repercussions and there's difficulties and there's tragedies and all of these things. So finally Moses said, I'm going. I'm going to go, God. And we know the story. Most of us, ten plagues took place to harden Pharaoh's heart to the point where Pharaoh said, you know what, you guys get out of here. You've got to go because if you don't go, we feel like we're going to die because as the last plague took place, it was called the Passover and God struck down the firstborn of everyone who did not put blood over their doorways and that blood represented God's grace. Just like today, that blood represents that Jesus shed on the cross. God's grace that He represents, that He gives to us freely so that we can know Him, so that we can be restored. And and all of a sudden, the Israelites, for the first time in 400 years, they found themselves free of slavery. Now, you would think this story would be one of happy-go-lucky and no trials and tribulations, because for the first time, the people of Israel found themselves free of slavery. But many of us, we know that story. It didn't take very long for the Israelites to come to a point in their life where they had a crisis of belief. Have you been there before? where God calls and releases you or brings freedom into your life, and then all of a sudden, for the first time, the Israelites are having to depend on God. They're having to step out on faith. And those who know the story, they found themselves between a rock and a hard place. They found themselves at the, at the part of the Red Sea, where, humanly speaking, there's no way they can get across. There's not a boat big enough all right, for them to get across this, and, and the Egyptians, Pharaoh had changed his mind and thought, man, what am I thinking now? These people did everything for us, and he's pursuing the Israelites, and the Israelites start crying out to Moses in this, in this situation, saying, Moses, what did you do? We, listen to this, we were better off in slavery. Now we're going to die out here in the desert as free people. The story goes on, and as you know, Pharaoh, through the work of God in his life, they walked across on dry land. And they got across the other side. And it says in Exodus chapter 14, Verse 23, it says, The Egyptians pursued them all Pharaoh's horses and chariots, and horsemen followed them into the sea. Verse 28 says, The water flowed back, covered the chariots and horsemen. The entire army of Pharaoh that had followed the Israelites into the sea, not one of them survived. And then verse 31 says, And when the Israelites saw the mighty hand of the Lord displayed against the Egyptians, the people feared the Lord and put their trust in Him and in Moses His servant. I I want you to understand, Joshua was a part of this group. I want you to understand that Joshua saw the hand of God working a miraculous way. And as we see God working a miraculous way, as as it strengthens our faith, it develops our character of who we are. Of how we're going to step out one day when God calls you and I to something maybe bigger than ourselves. And as we're going to see here in just a moment, God's calling on Joshua was huge. God told Moses, the people of Israel, "I'm going to give you a place called the Promised Land." And many times in Scripture, it's 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 said that it's a place flowing with milk and honey. And as I said, this this promise was given to Abraham. It was first given to Moses in Exodus chapter three, verse eight. And it was an 11, Listen to this: it was an eleven-day journey from Egypt to the Promised Land. Now that's important to know here because some of us vacation longer than 11 days, all right? An easy 11 day John across the the Red Sea, across the desert into the Promised Land, and, and God had promised that He would give them the Promised Land, it would only be 11 days and they would be there. So we think. Numbers chapter 12. As you can imagine, The people started following their own ways. They started complaining. I know we never get to that point at all. Even Moses' own brother and sister got in on the action quite a bit and they opposed Moses and his leadership. And then God gently reminds them that it was Moses whom He had chosen to lead His people. And then in Numbers chapter 13, we are introduced for the first time our character this morning by the name of Joshua. Joshua was actually mentioned very shortly in Exodus chapter 17. If you remember the story of the battle of the Amalekites where where God said as long as Moses keeps his hands above his head, they'll win the battle. Joshua was the commander-in-chief of that battle. So just give you some idea of who Joshua was. Joshua was already a leader that God had used in a mighty way and, and that story of that battle goes on and, and Moses was old at the time and his hands were in the air and they were winning the battle and then just like any old man, his hands get tired and he starts to drop them and they start to lose the battle and Then the people of Israel say, man, we better get smart about this and they start holding Moses' hands up for him, alright? That's what I'm doing, okay? Like, I'm winning this battle here. And so Joshua, I want you to understand, Joshua was one who was in slavery. He, he understood what physically it meant to be in slavery, to be in bondage. He also knew what it meant to, to be free of those things. He got to see God's hand work in a miraculous way as, the, as He divided the Red Sea and they walk on dry ground and God provides night and day water and manna and all of these things. God's provision day after day after day after day. And then number 13, Numbers 13 takes place. They have come to a point where they are on the edge of the promised land. And in Numbers chapter 13, it tells us that Moses said, I want to get 12 guys together, 12 of the leaders of Israel, and I want you to go into the promised land, and I want you to scout things out for us. The Bible calls them spies, and two of the men, all right, two of the men, one Caleb, one was Joshua, One was Joshua, and then there was ten other men that you can see there in Numbers chapter 13. It it speaks of them. And they go in, and remember, this is a place that God had promised that He would give them. Uh, It's important to remember that God has already said, I am giving you this place. I have already gone before you. I'm going with you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. And that's the theme all the way through Deuteronomy and Numbers, and all the way into Joshua. And so these 12 spies, they go in, and and we're going to pick up this report in Numbers chapter 13. If you've got your Bibles, turn there. We're going to start in verse uh, 26 this morning. And this is the report of of Joshua, Caleb, and we're going to call them the other 10 men, okay? So here we go. Joshua chapter 13, I'm I'm sorry, uh, Numbers chapter 13. uh, Look at verse 26. It says, Then uh, they came back to... Moses and the whole Israelite community at Kadesh in the desert of Paran. There they reported to them and to the whole assembly and showed them the fruit of the land. They gave Moses this account. We went into the land to which you sent us and it does flow with milk and honey. And here is its Here's what's taking place here. Here comes these 12 men and they have just explored this most amazing place that God has promised to give them. And so they come carrying this fruit. You know, I don't know if they had huge baskets or whatever it was, but they came carrying the fruit and they says, you know what? What you said, Moses, what God told you is true. It's true. This place is amazing. It is flowing with milk and honey. Here are its fruits. The story goes on. Verse 28: it has a big B-U-T. Alright, there's a big butt right there. All right. Let's look at that real quickly. It says, but the people who live there are powerful, and the cities are fortified and Large. What took place here? I, I just want to remind you that God has, has promised the Israelites, I have already given you the victory. And, and they go in, and it is exactly the way that, that, they, they, that Moses described from God speaking to Moses and saying, It is the place. It, it is it's amazing. Look at its fruit. Why does this happen to you and I so often in our lives? You see, God has promised to go before us. God has promised through the work of the Holy Spirit to empower us. God has commanded us to go and to share the good news. God has promised us to go and to to build His kingdom, to build His church. And, and as we gather together, man, we're, we're just like these 12 spies, man. We get excited because, you know, God's promise. It's like we've got all our hands in. We're like, all right, on the count of three, we're, we're going to do this. And all of a sudden we go and, and we start facing what's outside these church walls. We start facing the temptations. We start facing the struggles. We start facing all of these things. And then all of a sudden, fear starts to override our faith. And that's exactly what takes place in the lives of ten of these men. You see, because two of these men, one Joshua, one Caleb, they came back and said, man, my faith is strong in God, and God has already promised that He is going to give us victory. And they're saying, and they're saying let's do this. Let's get together and let's do this. When we face opposition or hurdles or even a call on our lives that is bigger than we can imagine, if our faith is not taking root, if our faith is not firmly planted, fear will always keep us from walking in obedience. I'm going to read that again. If our faith has not taken root, if our faith is not firmly planted, fear will always keep us from walking in obedience. Maybe for some of us it's the fear of failure. Maybe it's the fear of being alone. Maybe it's the fear of not meeting expectations from those around us. Maybe it's the fear of not being able to to make ends meet. Maybe it's the fear of stability, the fear of pain, the fear of over-promising and under-delivering. I know we never get ourselves in that situation. Okay, I do a lot, all right? And the list goes on and on let me put this in perspective just a little bit here the church is struggling the church is struggling you and i are the church statistics tell us that 4000 churches every year in the united states close their doors 4 think about that 4000 churches Close their doors. In respect, a thousand churches are started, praise the Lord, every year. Francis Schaeffer responds to these staggering numbers in this way. He says, remember churches fail because we place our needs and desires over the Lord. It is His church and we are His people. Let our focus be on the right target. That is His and not ours. We are called to a higher purpose. We are not called to ourselves. Ministry is a dangerous thing because we are before a holy God. Yes, we have grace, but we have responsibility also. This past weekend, I took a couple of 5th and 6th graders down to Cross Timbers Camp. Um, and isn't it amazing how God speaks to adults at kids' camps? Um, you think that would just never happen. I remember sitting there, and, and the, it was it was yesterday morning, and, and the preacher was I think I think he was preaching about King Josiah. It was a long night, all right. So I was in all, all awake, and um, it had nothing to do with what he was talking about. And I felt like the, guy, the guy was just speaking to me. And it, and it, believe it or not, it kind of goes along with this story here. And I, I started thinking about it. I don't even know where it like it came from left field about just freedom in Christ about our nation, just where we are. And, and 2 Corinthians chapter 4, 8, it, it came to mind. I just want to read that to you. Um, it says, We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed, perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed. And, and I started thinking about, man, the, the, church is, the church is under pressure. Christians in this country are under pressure. And you know, we, we hear the stories of, you know, man, I man, God has been taken out of the schools, prayer's been taken out of the schools, and 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 we like to look at the negative aspects, and, and God impressed this on me. Our God, no one can take prayer out of schools. And and, and here's what happens is, is, is we look at what's going on around us and Man, why are we praying around the schools? Here, here's, it's the same thing because what happened in the story of Israelites is, is they went from bondage, from not having to worry about anything because things just kind of worked and they were structured as is. But now they're in a place where they're, they're dependent on God every step of the way. And they're really struggling there. And you and I, the church is in a place that we must depend on God like we never have before. But here's the thing, our freedom is not what our government ever will give us or not give us. Our freedom comes in knowing Christ Jesus. Amen. And as I look around this world, and as I see all the persecuted church, and as I, I see the things going on, you start thinking like, freedom is not given by anyone. Freedom is, is in knowing Christ Jesus. So no one can take away anything from us as Christ followers. They, take, they can't take prayer out of anything. Now we have to come to a point as, as Christ fathers. where we'll be intentional about pursuing those things. About allowing God to, to break down some of those strongholds. That we will put on the full armor of God and fight the battle. Because here's the thing, we have as a country been so blessed, we didn't have to worry about anything. Just like the Israelites But now we're in a spot where we must choose. Are we going to stand up for the things of God? Or are we going to sit, and as we will see here in just a moment, we're going to be the ten and say, there's no way. Eleven day journey as the people left Egypt into the promised land. We cannot and will not live out the promises of God if we are not willing to step out on faith. Numbers chapter 14, verse 1. It says, that, that night all the people, community, raised their voices and wept aloud. All the Israelites grumbled Moses, against Moses and Aaron, and the whole assembly said to them, If only we had died in Egypt, or in this desert... Why is the Lord bringing us to this land only to let us fall by the sword? Our, our wives and children will be taking us plunder. Wouldn't it be better for us to go back to Egypt? They're saying, wouldn't it be better for us to go back as prisoners of war? And they said to each other, we should choose a leader and go back to Egypt. Then Moses and Aaron fell face down in front of the whole Israelite assembly gathered there, Joshua, son of Nun, and Caleb, son of Jephunneh, who were among those who had explored the land. They tore their clothes. Whenever you see that word where they tore their clothes, that's, that's a time of just absolute brokenness. It's a time of either brokenness for the life of those who know God or, or a time of repentance. So whenever you see that in the Old Testament, that's kind of what that's displaying there before the people. It says that they tore their clothes and said to the entire Israelite assembly, the land we passed through and explored is exceedingly good. If the Lord is pleased with us, He will lead us into the land, a land flowing with milk and honey and will give to us. Only do not rebel against the Lord, and do not be afraid of the people of the land, because we will swallow them up. Their protection is gone, but the Lord is with us. Do not be afraid of them. In verse 10 it says, But the whole assembly talked about stoning them. And what happened? You see, Moses and Aaron and Caleb and Joshua, they were all there for the exact same things as these people were. But the problem is, is is the people of Israel had allowed fear to come in and control their actions. They have lost faith in the Word of God, although He had displayed it time and time and time and time again. And God is looking for, for people like Moses, pe- people like Joshua, people like Caleb who will, who will stand in the gap and who will stand firm on the Word of God and say, I, I believe it because God has promised us and I am willing to put my life on the line for it. story goes on and God promises that no one except Caleb and Joshua would step foot into the promised land. Not even Moses and Aaron. So for the next 40 years, one by one, those who died died off. You know, I wonder how many of us live lives like these people. We miss out on being used of God and miss out on His promises and blessings because we Refuse to trust in God. The end of Numbers and into Deuteronomy, we see Moses as a reminder of the people of God's faithfulness and also of their choices to disobey. Some of the titles all through Deuteronomy says, do not forget the Lord, the golden calf, fear the Lord, worshiping other gods, detestable practices, war, uncleanness in the camp, curses from the mount, curses from disobedience, And then a time of renewal. And then we come to Deuteronomy chapter 31. Flip over there real quickly. Moses is is getting old. Moses knows that his time is coming to an end. This reminds me a lot of the story that we talked a couple of weeks ago about Paul and Timothy. And Paul was sitting in prison and was speaking to Timothy and just pouring into him, knowing that he was going to pass the torch to Timothy, and just encouraging him and challenging him to run the race that has been set before him, that God is going to use him to be steadfast, to stand firm. It says here in Deuteronomy chapter 31, Then Moses went out and spoke these words to all Israel. I am now 120 years old, and I am no longer able to lead you. The Lord has said to me, you shall not cross the Jordan. The Lord your God Himself will cross over ahead of you. He will destroy the nations before you, and you will take possession of their land. Joshua also will cross over ahead of you, as the Lord said." And the Lord will do to them what He did to Sihon and Og, the kings of the Amorites, whom He destroyed along with their land. The Lord will deliver them to you. And you must do to them all that I have commanded to you. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them. For the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Then Moses summoned Joshua. And said to him in the presence of all Israel, Be strong and courageous, for you must go with this people into the land that the Lord swore to their forefathers to give to them. And you must divide it among them as their inheritance. The Lord himself goes before you and will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. If I'm going to be honest in this situation right now, if I am Joshua, I'm saying, do you have anybody else who can lead these people? Anybody else with me on that? They have just spent the last 40 years, and the people were, were constantly pursuing their own desires and constantly complaining in all of these situations, and they did not want to follow in obedience, and all of a sudden Moses is like, he's probably like, My time is coming. My time is coming. I finally get to get away from these things and be in the presence of God Almighty where there are no tears or where there are no more complaints or these people. Don't don't we respond in that way? And if I'm Joshua, I'm like, man, Moses, you should have talked to me before you had this proclamation. I'm sure they talked about it, okay? I'm sure Joshua was on board. But Moses is saying, it's time for me to go. And God is raising up Joshua, that man of faith, who said 40 years ago that, man, we can overtake this. And because of the choices of the Israelites, they wandered in the desert for 40 years, and most of the Israelites wasted their lives. They wasted their lives. They chose. To waste their lives. What about you this morning? Where are you at? You see, God's Word says He's the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. So that means the same God who promised the Israelites that He would go before them. That He would fight their battles. That He wanted to work in and through them. That God wanted us to walk in obedience. Are we, are we allowing fear to overcome our faith, or are we standing firm on the faith of God and saying, I want to be a Joshua, I want to be a Moses, I want to be a Caleb? Deuteronomy 34. I told you, you we're going to be around a lot. Here we go. Then Moses climbed Mount Nebo from the plains of Moab at the top of Pisgah across from Jericho. Then the Lord showed him the whole land from Gilead to Dan, the territory of Ephraim, Manasseh, all the land of Judah. Skip down to verse 5. And Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there in Moab, as the Lord had said. He buried him in Moab in the valley opposite beth but to this day, no one knows where his grave is. Moses was 120 years old when he died. Yet his eyes were not weak, nor his strength gone. The Israelites grieved for Moses in the plains of Moab 30 days until the time of weeping and mourning was over. Now Joshua, son of Nun, was filled with the spirit of wisdom because Moses had laid his hands on him. So the Israelites listened to him and did what the Lord had commanded him. You know, I think about this story, and I think of Moses. I, you know, my first, my first response is, is, Poor Moses. You know, anybody else? Sorry, Moses, you know, thank you for taking him this far, but no, you're not going to go either. And humanly speaking, we feel sorry for Moses. God's word in Numbers chapter 12 says that Moses was the most humble man to ever live on the face of the earth. You see, Moses knew it was never about Moses. Moses knew that it was all about God. But here's the thing. A life spent serving the Lord, no matter the outcome, is always better a life spent on ourselves. Moses knew that. He didn't just know that, he lived it. Did Moses make some mistakes? You betcha. We missed a lot of that story. And if you go back, man, even in the time of desert, he made some poor choices. And so Moses comes at the end of his life, and he he never sees the promised land. He hands the torch over to Joshua. And he says, Joshua, it's your time. God has raised you up for such a time as this. It's now your time to stand up and to live out the call that God has put on your life. And Moses goes into the Hebrews chapter 12 category of the heroes of the faith the ones who were standing there. And I can imagine Moses was like, man, I, I, I am going to be there and I am going to be praising out to God as you go and you march into the promised land and you fulfill the promise that God has given to His people. And I'm sure Moses was good with it. because Why? Because he knew to be absent from the God, absent from the bodies and present for the Lord. He lived out his purpose. Let me ask you something this morning. Are you living out your purpose? If you were to look yourself in the mirror, are you living out your purpose? Or are you more, and you feel like the Israelites, and you feel like you're just wondering, with no purpose, with no objective? Maybe you're there this morning, because I've been there many times, and I've been in that, we call that desert experience. Remember the people of Israel, God had promised them. He has already said, man, the battle is already, you just have to take it. You just have to go and claim it. And God says to us today, because of what Jesus has done, all you have to do is, you have to go and take it. The battle is already won. And then we look at the statistics and we wonder, why is the church we know who's going to win the battle. We already know the ending. Why are we not living out in the power of Jesus in our lives? Why are we not living out that faith in our lives? Be strong and courageous. Joshua chapter 1. I just want to introduce us so, what we're going to be looking over these next few weeks. Joshua chapter 1, verse 1. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' aide, my servant. Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I am about to give to them, to the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot as I promised Moses... Your territory will extend from the, the desert to Lebanon and from the great river, the Euphrates, all the Hittite country and the, to the great sea of the west. No one will be able to stand up against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to your forefathers to give to them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave to you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left that you may be successful wherever you go. Do not let this book of law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful Have I not commanded you be strong and courageous? Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be wherever you go. So Joshua ordered the officers of the people. I don't know about you, man, but I'm getting pumped. What's the difference? You see, now there's a group of people who, yes, who have learned from their mistakes, who have, who have learned from that disobedience, and now we have a group of people who are willing to put their lives on the line because they know that God has gone before them. They know that God has, has given them the victory. Just as Christ Jesus has given victory for the church, may we walk in boldness. May we walk out and live out our faith and not allow fear to distract us from the purpose that God has called you and that God has called me.